Welcome to Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. This is a true crime podcast. That's right, a true crime podcast. For those in the back, I'll say it a little bit louder. This is a true crime podcast. This show is a show for grown folks. That little E over there next to my podcast, that means that we use some foul language every once in a while. Just every once in a while. Enough to flag it, you know. So, we talk about really generally vile, disgusting, and horrific things. Dismemberment, disembowelment, death in general. Lots of really horrible, terrible things. But we also, like I said, we cover the three key things that everybody in life enjoys. Coffee, true crime, and of course, dumpster fires. So, settle in. Come get warm by the dumpster fire. Make sure don't touch it, though. Don't want you to get burned. Don't want to get sued. Just saying. But, again, all kidding aside, you have been warned. Turn back now if you don't like that kind of thing. And by the way, I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. If you don't get that reference, you need to go ahead and turn back now. Otherwise, settle in and enjoy this week's episode of Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number eight, number nine. Ooh, excuse me. Number nine. Yeah, it's been that long, guys. Sorry. Been a little weird. Life has been happening. No, I did not get the coof again. Just, life's been happening. By the way, important, here's your technology tip of the day, folks. If you get a new device, as in you upgrade your phone because you wanted to stay in the early 2000s, in the 2010s maybe, and you kept your, I don't know, your iPhone, well, even... You know, your iPhone 8, for example, and then they told you that you had to upgrade because of the 5G. You know, they want to microwave your brain and all that fun stuff, right? Well, important to note that when you do the upgrade, make sure that you keep the old device at least long enough for the two-factor authentication because otherwise it will be a lot of brain damage and you'll be locked out of all kinds of things. Namely, your bank accounts. Just a thought. All right. Oh, see? There it is. The new device dinging. How rude of me. How did I not know? Did I not realize that we were recording? Yes, I realized. Oh, by the way, thanks for showing up there in the back. I guess if you're going to be late, better late than not at all, right? Can't get here on time? Get here when you can. Okay. So this week, first of all, the coffee of the week this week is Sanibel Sunrise from Jimmy's Java in Cape Coral, Florida. This one was, eh, it was all right. Uh, It was a pre-ground coffee. I don't normally do the pre-ground. I think I've mentioned that before. I'll give it four out of five beans. It was all right. Uh, I mean, it was okay. It had an odd, like a a citrus sort of a bite to it. It's a sunrise blend, you know. It's, It's... it's a medium-ish roast, maybe a dark roast, uh, medium-ish, uh, light to medium maybe. Um, and it's a good coffee. I'm, I'm noticing a trend, and I hope it's not going this way, but there's 
these micro roasting everybody's got a roasting now right everybody's roasting coffee it's starting to explode like the uh what are they um the what's it called the uh, the microbreweries, you know, everybody's got their own niche, and, you know, that kind of got old, the microbreweries. I hope that, I really kind of hope that, the, I don't know, I think that coffee will be a little bit different. It'll be kind of nice, I hope. We'll see. All right, anyway, so this week we're going to discuss the absolutely horrific, so buckle up, folks, the horrific motor, tongue twister. The horrific murder of Dr. Teresa Sievers in Benita Springs. I can't talk tonight. Um, Benita Springs, Florida. Uh, so this woman was sort of a pillar of the community, if you will. You know, um, she was that person that you were that um, kind of a. She was sort of everybody's friend. She ran her own medical practice called, um, she was a, obviously a doctor. Duh. I said that already. Dr. Teresa. Um, she ran her own medical practice called the Restorative Health and Healing. Uh, her husband managed the practice. He was like the, the manager, you know, the office manager. Uh, like the, like from the movie Monsters, Inc., I'll be watching you, Wazowski. Always watching you. <clears throat> I've sort of mastered a, a kind of a cough button. Sort of. Anyway, because that little it, that that impression, which by the way was probably terrible, put that in the comments below. Let me know what you thought of that impression. It tells me you're actually listening, uh, but. That impression was terrible, and it made me cough and hack and whatever, and you guys didn't have to listen to that. <clears throat> anyway, so they had two daughters that are now age 14 and 17. Um, they, like I said, she was more into the holistic approach of she, the way she was with her patients, and, and she was very, very dedicated, by all accounts, to her practice. Uh, she was that doctor that her approach was, instead of waiting until you're sick to come see me and for me to treat you when you're, once you're sick, let's keep you from getting sick. Let's do things. Let's be proactive and not get you sick. Let's let's stay ahead of it and keep you from getting sick. People like that, I kind of wonder uh, what they think of COVID, the COOF. I wonder. I don't know, because I, I, the COOF was miserable. I survived it. I'm a survivor. Um, anyway. So, um, on June 28th, Eighth, hang on just a second. So on June twenty eighth of twenty fifteen, uh, Doctor Sievers had been up in Connecticut, New Upstate New York, and Connecticut, visiting with family. Uh, her husband was up there, and her kids, and everybody. Her two daughters, they were up there visiting, and. Uh, 
she left from up there on Sunday, June 28th, uh, flew in back to Bonita Springs, actually RSW, Fort Myers, um, uh, Fort Myers International Airport, I guess. I don't even know what it's called. RSW, Regional Southwest, I think is what it stands for. Anyway, um, she went ahead because she, again, had that insane dedication to her patients, and she had patients to see that Monday. Uh, but odd, and so the whole thing starts out kind of kind of sketchy because her husband, the office manager, keep that in mind, important detail. Her husband stayed behind in New York, so to he would be back or in Connecticut. He'd be back there in a few days. Um. So, uh, she was a no-show on Monday morning. Everybody's panicking because this is definitely not like Dr. Seavers. A neighbor, finally, by the way, um, a neighbor goes to check, a neighbor or a friend goes to check on her at Mark's request. That's odd because... Well, we'll come back to that, but he wasn't even... They they couldn't reach Teresa, Dr. Seavers, and they couldn't reach Mark. Nobody could reach either one of them. And he just wasn't... He didn't seem overly concerned, wasn't panicked or anything, but this was way out of character for her to not be in the office on time or ahead of schedule. So he's like, hey, can you go check on my wife? And sure enough, the neighbor is met with, uh, wow, just a horrific scene. Like, I mean, her head was, she was in the kitchen, her head, she'd been bludgeoned to death. The alarm was cut. Uh, her head was caved in, I mean, like, like not even like head shaped anymore. <laughs> Not even, like, deformed head shape. Like, it was bad. Um, so it, looked like, it looks like it's a robbery. But as they start looking around, the investigators, they start to piece things together, and they realize, hey, wait a minute, there's not anything missing. Anything of any real value. You know, there's just shit thrown everywhere, and, you know, drawers torn out and all that kind of stuff. But uh, not nothing, nothing of any value or any significance. So initially, the investigators are kind of, in a way, they're kind of stymied. They're just not getting anywhere until they get a tip about to look at this dude who looks exactly like Mark Sievers. And I've seen the pictures, and it is creepy. They do look, they look like... They came out of the same womb at the same time, and I mean, it, whoa. But it's not Mark. It's some dude named Curtis Wayne Rogers. Three names, folks. That's always a bad. That's never a good thing. Always a bad sign when when they ref, when you're referred to in any story by three names. Guilty, right? That's just the way it is, right? I mean, am I wrong? Really? And am I wrong at all on that? Guilty. So, 
he lives in Missouri. And he's it's it's like this is this is like Mark not only is this guy not only does dude look exactly like Mark, but this is like single white female type behavior, right? If you know, you know. <laughs> you should know what that movie is. You should be old enough if you're listening to this pod because this is for adults. Anyway, um no, I'm just kidding. There are probably a lot of people that are going single white female and they're grabbing their iPads and, and iPhones and whatever, and they're stopping what they're doing, and they're Googling uh, single white female. Anyway, <clears throat> so he recently had traveled. F- he lives in Missouri, and it turns out that he had recently traveled with a yet unknown companion down to Bonita Springs. Well, who is this guy? Hmm. Who could this be? So the investigators go up and they want to they they start sort of digging around digging around with Mark and or not Mark, uh Curtis Wayne. Uh, they start looking at him. And they're like, "Hmm. Well, not only so then while they're up there investigating this dude, they come across a dude that has been running his mouth a guy that calls himself the hammer calls himself that he gave himself that nickname what's wrong with that picture huh seriously i mean again you don't give yourself the nickname that's not how nicknames work nicknames come from other people you don't give yourself a nickname that's against the rule of nicknames stop it Anyway, so he calls him, he's named himself the Hammer. And uh, Jimmy Rogers, right? <clears throat> and so that's who, uh, he's sort of been kind of running his mouth and whatever that he's done this. Not that he, not this specifically, just that he beat a woman to death with a hammer. Of course, investigators find that a little bit odd, but not yet because they haven't tied him to the, um, to Curtis Wayne. But eventually, they tie the two of them together. And then, they find the rental car. The rental car that Curtis and Jimmy the Hammer drove from... uh, drove from Missouri to Dr. Seaver's house. Her address was in the GPS that was in the rental car. See? Technology will get you. They don't have to implant a chip in you. Why would they need to why would anybody need to implant a chip in you? Especially now. That was back in that was back in 2015. Especially now everybody has their phone practically attached to their head. That's the next step. I'm telling you. They're going to they're going to attach these damn things to our head. I'm telling you. Is happening slowly but surely. So anyway, so Jimmy's girlfriend realizes, hey, cops are asking questions about Jimmy, and I don't want none of this. Jimmy's on probation, or he may have been on parole. No, it's probation, and she's on. Like, double secret, like, she's a snitch and whatever else for somebody. Anyway, 
<coughs> uh, excuse me. Didn't get the cough button that time. <coughs> Oops. So Jimmy's girlfriend, though, she jumps in and helps the cops out. She leads the investigators to all of the bloody clothing, the hammer, irony, irony much? No. Prepaid cell phones. Oops. Too many people? One too many. I mean, again, did anybody not tell them two people can keep a secret as long as one of them's dead? That's, I mean, stop. Please. Holy cow. Anyway, so everybody turned on Mark Seavers, though. Like, everybody starts saying, as soon as they get cuffed up, everybody, except for nobody's arrested Mark Seavers yet, he's still playing dumb. We'll get to him. <clears throat> but anyway, so they all start to turn on Mark. This dude kept some, by the way, it came out in court and everything, that this dude kept some really weird handwritten diaries, but he also kept diaries like a, a calendar. And I'm not sure, it, it wasn't really clear from what I read, it wasn't really clear if it was like on a computer or how, but this dude kept track of how often he had sex, what kind of sex he had with the, with his wife. Um, the, he felt like things were getting really icy at home, she didn't appreciate him, all kinds of, I mean, it was weird, and things got kind of icy at the house, because she didn't think of him any, as any more, or he felt like she didn't, this was his opinion, it was written down, that, uh, she looked at him as not much more than a babysitter to the kids and basically a leech. Uh, so things were getting a little icy. He even seemed to think that separation was a possibility, if not a probability. So he, he's like, I can't have that shit. So um, he, uh, um, he was confident, though, that the... Separation would result in him being the primary custodial parent and her just having visitation. And apparently, because dude didn't have a job, per se, he was the office manager at his wife's practice. So, um, awkward. He's not going to keep being the office manager. I just don't see that. It just doesn't work that way. And he, he seems, like I said, he seemed rather confident that um, he'd get custody and uh, he was going to live the life, right, off of uh, the child support that he anticipated getting, I'm guessing. Plus, well, now keep in mind, something important to remember. Hello? Okay. Something key to remember here. Let's think about this. Most of these kind of weird murders and stuff, murder for hire and all that crap, in are spawned on, they're, they're brought on by financial issues. Trying to get out from under a lot of financial hardship, like bankruptcy and all this kind of stuff. And, and <clears throat> what, what better way to get out from underneath all of the debt and the, the all of the crushing debt and everything than to collect on a $4 million life insurance policy. 
Let's say that one more time. Four million dollars. So to me, that's four million reasons that uh, she needed, well, he thought she needed to be dead. By the way, I mentioned, and I kind of glossed over it, not intentionally, because, you know, squirrel, right? You know me. That's why you tune into this one, because I have eight, I'm all over the map, right? So, um, the girlfriend, she gave up the prepaid cell phones. So, this is where it's interesting. They did all of their planning on these prepaid cell phones over text, thinking, oh, well, okay, we'll get rid of the phones when we're done, you know, cash, blah, blah, blah. What they didn't, th th but this was one of those cases, um, like, from the movie Meet the Robinsons. You're big head and little arms. No, very well thought out plan, master. Um, because they, <laughs> when they were taught, when, when Mark and Curtis were talking over text on regular, on their regular phones, which they were sort of smart about that part of it in that they'd always been talking on regular phones. So to all of a sudden change that habit would definitely raise a red flag. But when you tell them, we need to go to the prepaid, okay, you're retarded. I mean, if you say that in text, I mean, really? You say that in text? Go to the prepaid. <sighs> I think they had a code word. I'm not sure. They may have had a code word. But even still, it's pretty thinly veiled. <laughs> you know, um, let's go talk about football or what? The, I mean, what? No, that's just retarded. Um, <clears throat> anyway, even, like I said, even if you have a code word, sorry, ADD moment, but even if you have a code word to switch over to the prepaid, uh, duh, it's not going to take much to figure out that mm, there's a conversation that they took offline somewhere. A, a, a conversation went somewhere. So, uh, yeah, duh. Okay, anyway. Back to the four million reasons, right? So, first, they arrest Curtis Wainwright. And then they get Jimmy the Hammer. As soon as they as soon as they snatch up Curtis though, this dude can't stop talking. He has the right to remain silent, but apparently he lacks the ability. Uh because <clears throat> he like I said, he he's like he uh, he knows he's he's hosed. He knows he is so so screwed. He's done. So he's going to get the he's got to get the best possible deal he can out of it. And so he tells the entire story. He lays this out soup to nuts and begs, man. He's like, man, look, yes, him and Jimmy, they they were offered, I forget the, uh, I think it was $5,000. Uh, <clears throat> and it was supposed to be, by the way, again, th this is the type of, these are the type of people we're dealing with, right? Because in that Jeep, remember the GPS that I told you about? Well, they took that GPS, they showed up at Teresa's house, and somehow, some way, they get 
all this. It's like a 17-hour drive, right, to get here from where they to get there from where they were. And along the way, nobody thought maybe we need a murder weapon and maybe we need, you know, like a, a perhaps some sort of like Tyvek suit or something to cover, you know, coveralls or something. Uh, no, they didn't think about that until they showed up and pulled up at, at, at Dr. Seaver's house. And then they went, oh, shit, you know what? We got to get some supplies. So they plug into the GPS the local Walmart, <laughs> the nearby Walmart. So they drive their happy asses over there, and they're seen on surveillance, by the way. And again, this dude looks so much like Mark that they thought initially, you know, initially it's like, wait, I thought he was in wherever in upstate New York or Connecticut. Nope, it wasn't Mark. So because Mark was legit up and pretending not to know Dick. And he, he swore to that all. He he has sworn to that, as far as I know, to this day. So, <laughs> so um, again, these are not, you know, sophisticated, legit hitmen that we're dealing with, right? They very rarely are. Anyway, we don't catch the smart ones, right? See? We don't catch the smart ones. Nope. Sure don't. So... One of the things that, um, so that, I mean, he, like I said, he lays it out soup to nuts. Curtis lays this whole thing out from, from, you know, from the time they rented the car all the way down. Or, well, from the time that Mark propositioned that, or, or he sort of, he didn't even proposition, he sort of opined that his wife needed to die. And then it sort of progressed from there. So, <clears throat> um, he says, yes. He admits, he's like, well, yeah, you know, uh, me and, this is Curtis talking, me and Jimmy, we, you know, we physically, we did it. Yeah, we, we went there, we drove there, we we went in the house, and we beat her head in, and she put up a fight, and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, and then, and then he says, but we, but we didn't plan it. We didn't, we weren't involved in the planning. Well, clearly you didn't plan shit, because, again, you showed up there without the murder weapon and then had to go back to the store to get a bur anyway so clearly you, your logistics and planning is not your strong suit there Curtis or Jimmy's right so he says and he admits he's like yeah I, I I bashed her in the head a couple of times with the hammer and then Jimmy the hammer took over and uh, and so all right, so now, with all of that, they go and they get an indictment and they hook up, um, they hook up uh, Mark Seavers. Okay, so again, I, I there was a, a two or three minute pause there that you guys missed, so I'll back up a little bit if I have to. If I'm repeating myself, I apologize. You won't notice that there's a. You'll notice that there's a weird hiccup, and I start repeating myself, maybe. But anyway, okay. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, um, he admits that yeah, he bashed her head in a couple of times, and then Jimmy the Hammer took over and started bashing and bashing. <clears throat> well, that was enough 
because so here's what happened. <coughs> now I'm hacking again. We'll go figure. <coughs> Uh, so here's what ended up happening with this. This, I mean, like I said, this was this was just this case was there was a lot of just stuff and what. I, so this case was, you know, this is not my my great. Well, I take that back. This isn't the longest case, and it's pretty short episode, pretty sweet. Sorry, but anyway, um, so. Again, Curtis is still seeing like a canary. He wants some kind of a deal. So he took a guilty plea to murder two, and he got sentenced to 35 years. Here's the trade-off. So the dude is like, the dude, I mean, Curtis is like, Curtis Wayne Wright, when he went into prison, like, in his 40s, 35 years is, he's going to be pretty close to 80-ish. 70, 80, right around in there. Um, so he's not going to be all that productive in society if he does make if he does make it out. But he's he's not that kind. He's a kind of a not smug isn't the word schmarmy. Um, he's not. Yeah, he's not going to do well in prison. I don't think. Anyway, so he took a guilty plea for thirty five years, murder two. He testified against Jimmy Ray Rogers. Again, three names. I, I, I didn't mention his middle name, you know, the entire time because I was kind of harping and making wisecracks about the hammer. Again, important life lesson. You don't give yourself the nickname. You have to be given the nickname by somebody else. I'm doing the knife hand thing for the, nobody can see me, but. Because uh, like I got a man, I really do have a face for podcasting. But uh, so, uh, just ask, just ask my friends. Um, you know, like the pirate prepper, for example, he'll tell you that I definitely. There's a reason that I'm not putting videos out like he does, because I got a face for podcasting. Just saying. But anyway, so, <clears throat> and I'm doing the knife hand thing, like you guys can see me. Anyway. Um, don't give yourself the nickname. Anyway, his name Jimmy Ray Rogers. Curtis testified against him in a murder two uh, trial. They tried him for murder two. Why they didn't try him for murder one, I'm not sure. Or I think they may have tried him for murder one. He was convicted of murder two, got a life sentence. But here's the best one of all of it. This is this is awesome. This was great because he's such a smug prick. Uh, if you watch any of his any of the YouTube videos of him in court and all these things, he is that guy, that smug, self-absorbed, I can do no wrong, I am the man prick, and I know you know who I'm talking about. Everybody knows that guy. He is that guy, and it gave me such a warm, fuzzy feeling when they conv- not only they convicted him of murder one, and and. They got him the death penalty. You got the right one, baby. Okay. Now, <clears throat> the best part about that was is that he actually started to tear up a little bit, like the bitch that he is, when they sentenced him to death. Of course, he'll just rot 
you know, he'll just rot on death row and, and you know, he'll probably die of old age before they actually put the needle in his arm. Unless we keep a Republican governor here in Florida, I'm just saying. Um, you know, I want, I you know, I should run for governor while I'm thinking about, you know what, I'm going to run for governor, damn it. And my part of my platform is, is we're going to have French Fry Fridays, baby. We're going to daisy chain them. I'm bringing back the electric chair. We'll, we'll, we'll do three, four of them at a time. And we'll put them on pay-per-view. Anyway, Mr. C 2020 whatever. I don't even know what. Is it 2024? I think they were on the same time as the presidential elections. So, Mr. C for governor. You heard it here first, man. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding, guys. Don't get any ideas. I have absolutely no desire whatsoever to go into politics because I hate politicians. There's a, a, a guy out there named Dan Holloway <clears throat> who coined the phrase, and it's great. It's perfect. All politicians are cunts. Anyway... That's it for this week. Stay safe, stay sane, don't get zipped in, and we'll see you next time.